The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200, yes, I said it, 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins with new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. This is Robert O'Reilly, Chancellor Garon, on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Glory to you and your house. Culinary Division at Podfleet Command. During this Thanksgiving week here in the United States, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. So great to have you here for episode number 240. That's 240. Not to be confused with a really bad TV show from the 70s called 240 Robert, which had Mark Harmon, but um, that's uh, another story for another time. Speaking of another story for another time, uh, we're going to talk about a great, se- what I think is a great season two episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and um, my co-host may or may not, that is that remains to be seen, he, let me tell you this, if he showed up in a shuttlecraft from six hours in the future, I would immediately just set the auto-destruct on the ship, because at that point I knew it would be all over. He's the largely time-traveling Dan Davidson. Dan! Welcome aboard, buddy. Um, I really hope that sedative wears off soon. Um, that means there'd be two of us, of me, I should say. So, win-win, baby? Lose-lose. Okay, thank you. That's great to be here. It's always good to sit down and talk Trek with you, my friend. It's, uh, it's, uh, we're celebrating as much as we can a holiday as we record. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. It's good to be here. Just got back from Florida a few days ago to attend to my dad. And um, it's nice to be back in my regular studio where grandfather clocks are not going off every 15 <laughs> minutes. I got to say that. I can't believe your parents slept that thing all the way down to Florida, and it goes off literally every 15 minutes, 24-7. I am not even joking when that was the most important thing to make sure that they got shipped down to Florida when they moved down there several months ago. That is like, the, it was, oh my God, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to get all set up, we got to get, you know, we got to get somebody to come in, and then we got to get somebody down there who's going to be able to hook it back up because all the pieces have to be put back together, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I can't wait till that's sitting in your living room someday. <laughs> no, it will be sitting in a pile of rubble in my <laughs> living room if, because that noise is annoying. Um, I thought you were annoying, and you got nothing on that clock, baby. <laughs> See, anyway. <laughs> that sounds 
to some people like it's going to be a compliment, but I'm here to tell you that's not. Not at all. Not well, remotely. You know, it, is, it is, actually. But um, So, yeah, got back from Florida. I do want to do one thing that we normally don't do here on Trek Geeks, man, and I do want to give a special shout-out. Um, when I was down in Florida attending my dad, who's who has been ill, um, they have a neighbor – uh, uh, that is just all of their neighbors are fantastic. Their neighbors are fantastic, but there's one neighbor Terry who was so helpful in helping out my parents when we're when I was there. When we're nobody's there, he's he and his wife are right there to help out. And I want to give a special shout out to his daughter Alexis and her husband Dave. Turns out that they are huge Star Trek fans, and Terry told them all about this podcast after um, we had a great discussion as he and my mom brought me to the airport when I was coming home. Fantastic guy. His kids love Star Trek, told him about the podcast. We actually texted so I could give him information on where to where to download and where to listen to. So there's a good chance that Alexis and Dave are listening right now. So why don't you just say hi, and your dad's awesome. So welcome aboard. <laughs> check out Camp Kittimer, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I today are going to check out, uh, as I mentioned, a, a season two episode of Next Gen. Um, one that during see it or skip it, we had a differing view on, if memory serves. Uh, it, oh, that's that's a <laughs> look at you referencing the Star Trek titles as we go through just unintentional discussion. Yeah, um, yeah, we did have different views. I actually gave this one a skip it. I thought it was a bad episode in a bad season, um, but you gave it a a see it. And as has been the case in so many episodes that I have rewatched as we've talked about these episodes on the podcast in rewatching it this week i've got a much better appreciation for it there are some things that i really don't like about it but there are a lot of things that my mind has been changed on and if we were redoing season two of see it or skip it my vote would be changed to a see it at this point that's fascinating we'll talk more about that later on but first let's talk about how the people listening might tell us their thoughts about Times squared from star trek the next generation Absolutely. Whether you want to do it now or whether you want to do it six hours from now. Um, and then again, uh, anyway. Nice. Uh, exactly. You like that? Um, we definitely want to hear from you, folks. We love hearing from you. You can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and you can email us from there. You can send us a vo- voicemail. You can chat with us. You can tweet at us. And if you don't want to do it that way, you can always head over to Camp Kittimer. It's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It's the most positive Trek group on Facebook. We don't allow any trolling. We don't allow any gatekeeping. We don't allow any negativity. It's a positive Star Trek Facebook group. Only people celebrating what they love about Trek. You can find us easily just by searching for Camp Kinemer. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the amazing job they do running the camp. And uh, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. Uh, uh, Get to the computer. Send us the comments. Very nice. Thank you. Thank that you. Was, it, that was I, very good. I assure you it doesn't happen very often. Well, as no. we sit here right now recording this, it's a Wednesday morning, the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. My dog is sitting to my right on the floor in her bed, staring at me. <laughs> and I think it's because she has her cone of shame on. Oh. But yeah, with all the wet weather, her, toe, her surgically fused toes opened up. But yeah. she's staring at me like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you when you're sleeping. <laughs> it's kind of wow. like you do every day. That's the way yeah, you look well, at me. Well, sometimes when I'm standing over your bed staring at you, um, I'm thinking the same thing, but that's a story for another time also.
Dan, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week here in the United States, we have some great news about fan sets and the tradition of Black Friday. Yeah, we certainly do, Bill. Uh, we know that this year has been extremely difficult, and we know that the current pandemic situation has experts everywhere employing people to play it safe and reduce the amount of traveling and attending large gatherings. Uh, we certainly want everyone to stay safe and healthy, and we know that this can cause anxiety and stress and sadness. But if there's one thing to look forward to this Thanksgiving week in the United States, uh, it's Black Friday. Um, who doesn't love to save tons of money on Black Friday? I know I don't. I know Bill doesn't. And Fansets is just so happy to announce that they will be having big savings on Black Friday. Big savings as in 20% off your entire order. That's a lot. That's a big percentage. I can't even count that high. Um, on top of that, there's going to be a huge amount of pins on sale for insane prices. Insane as in as low as $2.99. $2.99, Bill. That's just amazing. Lots of pins are going to be coming out of the vault as well. Uh, and you're going to have a chance to add to your collection and save tons. So head on over to fansets.com for the amazing sale for Black Friday. And in addition uh, to the Black Friday news, Fansets is happy to announce that in December, you can look forward to a new 7 of 9 micro crew pin, as well as a bearded Commander Riker TNG micro crew pin. Um, and then there's going to be three, one, two, three badgie new pins from Lower Decks. A happy badgie, a murderous psycho badgie, kind of like how I feel whenever I record with Bill. And this year's 2020 holiday pin will feature badgie as well. So you got three badgies coming out, buddy. That's amazing. Awesome, awesome news. So listeners, when you place your order at fansets.com later this week, you can look forward to some more great savings. And don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the United States. Both Fansets and everyone on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network wish you a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving holiday. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Dan, here we are. We're here to talk about Times Squared, the episode from Next Gen's second season. And um, it's interesting, but when we were doing the intro, you talked about how you didn't really love season two of Next Gen. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could expand on that thought a bit and tell us why. I thought it was, at the time, I just I just thought it didn't really have any teeth to it. I thought it was a little bit boring. I really, I thought that, I still think that the Picard and the shuttle looked like a mannequin with some powder, uh, too much powder applied to his face. Um, I really could not stand Pulaski in this episode, and that has not changed at all. And we'll get into that a little bit better, uh, a little bit more rather, uh, later on. But I just didn't feel that it was, it was... It was exciting, and you never really found out anything about the vortex and what it was, and 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 that other than that, there was some kind of sentience in there that was after the captain being the brain of the ship. But I just didn't think it was all that exciting back then. But now that I'm older, I have a better appreciation for stories like that. So uh, now it's something that I I really enjoyed when I rewatched it a couple times this past week. Well, yeah, it's interesting. In fact, um, I want to read both our comments from the Theater Skip it we did on TNG season two a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I gave it a see it. I said, I like this episode. I think it's far better than some of the other season two episodes. If this were a season three episode, I don't think it would be nearly as good. And I based that on the fact that the quality level of the writing and stories was just kicked up so much for season three that this one would be a weak season three episode, which I, I still kind of stand by. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Your comment when you said skip it, 
um, was not a fan of this episode. It's not awful, but I can't give it a see it rating simply because it's in a bad season. It's a bad episode, so skip it for me. So it sounded like that the overarching theme of the bad season really kind of affected how you viewed this episode at the time. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm not a huge fan of season two. Um, if I can pull it up here quickly as we're talking, I don't think that season two was ranked very high for me. Um, yeah, I uh, I think I had 10 seats for 45.45%. Um, same as you, actually. It looks like you had the same thing, and Camp Kittermer only had 59.09% seats. So it was a weak season. Uh, and I think that kind of did cloud my judgment a little bit when we were when we were talking about it way back when. Season two has some real dogs, um, but the really great episodes I think uh, for season two of Next Gen are some of Next Gen's finest episodes. Oh, interesting. Well, you get episodes like um, <laughs> um, Elementary Dear Data. Mm -hmm. You get episodes like The Measure of a Man. True. You, you get episodes like. Um, uh, peak performance, which is fantastic. The emissary. Right. Um, there's a lot in the Q who, which introduces the Borg. Yeah, true. There were a lot of gems in season two. And I think the whole season really just doesn't get a fair shake. There are a lot of middle of the road episodes. Um, shades of gray gets really a, just an unnecessary amount of abuse because it's, it's just not the worst episode of next gen. Absolutely. Um, but you get other ones, which are really kind of gems in the rough, like this one, like the Royale which I'll defend you know, with my mm -hmm. last breath, uh, like Contagion, which I really like. Okay. Um, or even the one where Pulaski gets old, a natural selection. I, I really, love that one. I love that episode. Old. I'm just kidding. I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although she does look a lot like you right now, which is oh, amazing. That's really, that's very mean to me. And then you get really <laughs> terrible episodes like the outrageous Okona. Oh, God. Uh, the up schizoid the man, ladder. yeah, up the long ladder. I've never liked the schizoid man. I've never liked the Dauphin. I've never liked mm -hmm. that episode. Mm -hmm. Um, or the Icarus factor with Anne Bujitsu. Oh, with Kyle. Yeah. And Kyle Riker. Right. But this episode I think is a great, is probably one of next gen's best bottle episodes. This one takes the concept of a bottle episode and really kind of elevates the storytelling um, because it's it's more than just somebody takes over the ship, which so many of them in Star Trek seem to be. There's True. an alien presence aboard the ship. Oh, we gotta we gotta take control back. Right. This one at least has some depth and some interest, and I really think that's why I like it so much. If I look at some of the other episodes in season two, a lot of them just aren't structured that well to me. Yeah, I could agree with that. One thing I wanted to point out, you just said something that made me think of something at the beginning of the episode. And I love the opener. The teaser is, is kind of, it's good with the eggs. <laughs> we'll and, talk about that and, in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Um, but they're talking about stuff and, and Pulaski and Riker are having a conversation and his father is brought up in the conversation. And to me anyway, Pulaski acts as if she really doesn't know him or, or, or know what Riker's talking about when he was talking about his father. But yet the very next episode is the Icarus factor when Kyle visits the ship and they talk about how Pulaski and he were a thing. Yeah. How she nailed Riker's dad. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Anyway, now I'm going to go throw up a little bit. Well, I, I almost, <laughs> I, to me, it struck me as she was more kind of surprised that, um, that Kyle didn't want to cook. 
Yeah, just the way that it came across was kind of like she had no. It's well, I mean that's happened before. I mean, Spock yeah. talked about his father in the past tense, and then he showed up. So I mean, it happens, but it was just weird. Maybe Kyle made breakfast for her the next morning. Oh God! <laughs> You're welcome. Oh boy! There's a visual you can't get. Maybe he's wearing just an apron doing it, and I'm just going to throw it out there. You get Mitchell Ryan in an apron. That's oh, the, really the visual boy. you needed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that opening teaser. Uh, I know Mission Log has talked about this, and I'm going to touch on it briefly. Um, Riker does not know how to make an omelet. No. <laughs> because he makes scrambled eggs. So let's set the stage. He's getting all these ingredients out of the replicator. He's putting them on the table. You can see he's got a bowl of shredded cheddar cheese or what looks yeah. like it. He's got other stuff there. And what does he do? He cracks the egg. He beats it. And he dumps it on on the, uh, the flat frying pan on the induction burner and um, makes scrambled eggs. He doesn't even season them. No, uh, it's funny. When I'm watching what he's doing, I thought he was going to make an omelet or scrambled eggs, but then he puts it on the pan. I'm like, what is he? What is, are those not eggs? Are those, is he making a crepe? Because it was so flat. And then I'm like, you didn't even put Pam on the thing because stuff is sticking. And, and But, you know, those Owan eggs, who knows? Maybe they're supposed to be like that. At least Worf liked them. In the future, I guess you don't need Pam. Well, I've, if you look at the if you look at the pan when he's cooking them, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing I like about that scene is it really kind of paints a picture of community. You know, this we we see some of it in the poker games throughout TNG, but it's rare that we see these characters join in somebody's quarters for a meal. And that's one of the things I really like about this. Riker went to everybody and said, "Hey." Come on by my quarters for breakfast tomorrow. I'm going to make some eggs. Yeah. And they must have looked at him like, you're going to what? But yet they showed up and they brought things and it really kind of gave you this sense that this crew, even with with Catherine Pulaski, was in it together. This was one of the first times I think that they ever had a, a, a quote, off-duty get-together, a recreation kind of thing. Um, I don't think we actually saw that very much, if at all, prior to this episode. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if 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 the if the um, poker things took place beforehand or not, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And that if that is one thing that I did appreciate about this, even with Pulaski, because I'm not a huge Pulaski fan, as as people know, and we'll talk about that more later, is that it, it was that sense of yeah, it was kind of like they were bringing them housewarming gifts, even though they were on the ship and they had been serving together for you know over a season now. Well, it's a little Thanksgiving-ish, you know, uh, oh, where you people go. show up to your houses and they bring a dish. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I love that Pulaski brings booze. <laughs> <laughs> she was with his dad. Why wouldn't she? Oh, no, maybe that's the other way around. She's my people on that one. Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm showing up to Rikers. I'm absolutely bringing some some booze. <laughs> Because, you know, like, Riker is going to be like, yeah, let's open that. <laughs> Absolutely. He's just drink it right out of the bottle. Um, <laughs> no judgment. He, um, I, I think it's hysterical how Worf is trying to use a fork at the beginning when he's <laughs> like his, his teeth. And he's like, Arr! and then he's just like shoveling that stuff down. Delicious. <laughs> and Jordy looks like he's going to choke. I know. And Data's just watching like, huh, okay, this is why I don't eat. <laughs> I say I'm amazed that Riker gives him a full plate of eggs. I'm like, exactly. he could have given him just a bite. Yep, exactly. And more for Worfty, but you know Worf was going to grab Data's plate anyway. <laughs> Almost <laughs> like it was like the right of succession or whatever. <laughs> pain sticks or pain, <laughs> pain eggs. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Anyway. So the Enterprise crew is 
is presented with an interesting problem. And the one thing that I just don't get in this episode, the thing that makes me go, eh, but it's not enough for me to dislike the episode, is how do they not know it's an Enterprise shuttlecraft? I know. The thing's got a transponder. Um, you can see the markings on the hull when it's on the view screen. I know. That's, you can see it says USS Enterprise 1701D. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like they all developed this convenient amnesia, like, that's a Federation shuttlecraft. What's it doing out here? Where's its mothership? Uh, you're on it, Will. It's amazing. I think they wanted to just have some filler in the episode where they could have a minute and a half of dramatic music and Geordi and Riker looking at one shuttle, ding, 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 looking at the other shuttle. It's just like, uh, yes, that is, that is a scratch your head moment in this episode. You're well, absolutely right. Technically Worf and Riker. Oh, that's right. It was Worf. That's right. Geordi came in later. Yep. That's Before right. the emails absolutely. come in. Cor- correct. I'm sorry. I'm looking at Memory Alpha right now, and I'm looking at a picture of Jordy. That's probably why it happened. But yeah. Yes, you're right. But yeah. the interesting conundrum that is presented here uh, to invoke another episode title um, <laughs> is really kind of cool because they open the shuttle. And here's the thing I love about Star Trek. Nobody in the world says, holy F. <laughs> Nobody is freaked out. They're like, oh, hey, look, it's another Picard. Oh, huh. Commander, come look at this. And then everybody's always so vague on the intercom. Captain, I think uh, you probably <laughs> want to be in sh- uh, Shuttle Bay 2. <laughs> well, number one, how about you spit it out and tell me what's up? Yeah. No, um, you need to come see this one for yourself, sir. Even Picard doesn't freak out. If uh, Okay, so let's pretend you and I are in the future. Let's pretend we live in the world of Star Trek and we're actual Starfleet officers, not Dan and Bill, idiot hosts of a podcast. If I open a shuttle bay door and I see myself in there, I am freaking out. You're going to be John Billingsley talking about um, what happened after the last episode of Enterprise in one of his interviews where the entire 35-second thing is a bleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. I might soil myself. <laughs> Again. Yeah, yeah, repeatedly. <laughs> I think you just did talking about this right now. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody, Everybody's like, huh. It's like they really had some really nice, relaxing. Uh, maybe they had too much of that alcohol that Pulaski brought to Rikers, and they were just all chilling out. But this is one of the things that I appreciate about Star Trek because everything is something to discover. Everything is a revelation to them that they have to figure out. It, it's very, very scientific, at least in the way they approach it. Like, hmm, what could have caused that? Not, hmm, let's get the F out of here. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and people do want to do that. I, uh, I yeah. know. Same here. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated by the fact that Picard looks like he's dead already. It's well, only six hours in the future, and he looks like he's aged about 20 years. And that's the thing that, it, that, that took me out of this episode years ago, which is why one of the reasons I gave it a skip it back then is, is it doesn't even look like a real person sitting in that chair. And I don't know if they did that on purpose or if they just wanted to give him a little bit of makeup to make him really look like he's in bad shape. But it, it looks like a mannequin to look like Patrick Stewart with a whole lot of um, uh, powder on his face to make him look like he's gaunt, gaunt, gaunt. Whatever the word is, gaunt. So that pulled me right out of it right away. Later on, of course, they use split screen magnificently, I must add, in this episode several times. But that that particular scene just back in the day really pulled me out of it. I really think that in standard def, it looks different than it does in high def and Blu-ray today. Okay. I think um, because when I watched it, it was enough to see that there was a bit of a difference. 
Um, and, I, and I really think that's all they were going for. In high def, it almost looks like he's been made up by a mortician. Yes. Um, and I think that that's one of the, it, it exposes one of the, the deficiencies of, of the makeup for that particular episode, which normally is, is fantastic throughout Star Trek, but it's kind of hard to make somebody look like they're from slightly in the future. Usually pretty good for talk. Didn't you talk about Pulaski getting older? Oh, but the Admiral from season one, that makeup was horrible too. I don't think the makeup was horrible. Oh, I, I hate I just, it. I, I don't like it whenever they try to take somebody who's obviously in their twenties and make them a 90 year old man or 120 <laughs> or whatever he was. Even Bashir didn't look too good when he was old in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. let's go back to TOS in the deadly years. Yeah. It's just not believable. Right. Um, there are a few times where it is believable, like Riker and Future Imperfect. Yes. Where he's aged like 20 years or whatever it is. Grays. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I, it, it's hard. It, it's probably a little better with Pulaski because at this point she's clearly middle-aged or, or probably in her 50s, I would guess. And uh, it's it, it's probably not as much of a stretch as it is for a 25-year-old guy to be pretending to be 110. True. Good point. So, you so, know, it's funny that you come up with these good points lately. So I have a coffee. Oh. We're recording this in the morning, which is yes. something we haven't done in a while, and I've got a cup Long of coffee time. in my hand. I didn't, I didn't do my ruck voice this morning. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so it, I, I'm when I first saw this episode in, I think it was 89, April of 89. Yeah, actually. Let me take a quick look at that. Uh, it first aired April uh, 3rd, 1989. And we should also say, because we're supposed to be doing this, and, and the teleplay uh, by Times Squared is by Morris Hurley. The story is by Kirk Michael Benzmiller. And it was directed by Joseph Scanlon. So it's very important to give credit where credit is due. Um, so um, yeah, April 3rd, 1989. That'd be a long time ago, bud. <laughs> yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I really appreciate that. Sorry. I remember when I watched this um, back in 89, and I, I'm pretty sure I watched it live and not on VHS. I was fascinated by the whole situation with the shuttle where Jordy and Data are trying to figure out why isn't this shuttle powering up? And I thought that this presented a really interesting way to to present that things were just slightly askew. Yes. It wasn't a major revelation. It took them some trial and error, which I always appreciate. Mm -hmm. But when they realized when they you know took the whole power thing and made it, well, let's, let's change it to 2% negative. Right. I don't know what that means. I don't have any idea. But um, I appreciated the way that they worked through this problem and realized that, oh, wait, this is from six hours in the future. Yeah, which is even weirder that they'd go negative when it's in the... I always look at the po the future as forward, so positive. But it's very interesting that to do that. The other thing that I really appreciate about that scene, and I'm glad you brought it up, is you get Data, who is an android, have looks of confusion on his face. Which yeah. Is something that you don't really see all that often. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was good. He's like, huh. <laughs> you get a little bit of that in the breakfast scene, too, mm -hmm. where he's like, what is this thing you're putting on my plate? <laughs> um, but, th and that moment where the lights and the shuttlecraft come on, the Fenway Park lights, as I like to call them, because I think nice. that if Jordy weren't blind, he would be at that moment. <laughs> um, and Data kind of puts his hands up in the air like, ah, magic. Yep. yep. <laughs> but then they get the, the logs off the shuttle. Yeah. And that's a one, that's a really cool effect. It is. I mean, when Jordy's looking at the screen and everything looks like it's all future-based. And then to hear Picard's log entry. Um, I don't know about you, but even listening to it today, I'm like, so Picard makes the unfathomable decision to leave the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Granted, he's done it before in season one. 
in season two. Um, <laughs> but he makes the decision to leave the ship and he watches the Enterprise destroyed. And I, all I can think of in that moment is what kind of weight does that put on Picard? Because we know what he's like now in hindsight. We know that, you know, what that ship and that crew means to him. And to have him see that, it's got to be just completely, it's got to gut him, like beyond what we can possibly imagine. And I think you see that. Um, You see that he's having a hard time with it. He he seems to to lay the blame of how he's feeling towards this the second Picard, but I really think, and and he does talk about it a little bit later. It's really the fact that he left his ship. The what's the phrase? Captain always goes down with the ship. Yeah. Yet he's the only one that left. So there had to have been a really really big reason for him to do it. And even knowing that he does this, he still does it, or is still going to do it. Yeah. Um. Uh, later on in the episode, which is which is kind of an interesting um, conundrum, as as you mentioned earlier, um, you don't want to get caught in a smear and snare or anything like that. But it's very important that you that 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 you think of these things uh, as what's going on. That he was going to leave anyway, even knowing that if he left, the Enterprise was going to get destroyed. He thought that it would still be a good idea to leave. Oh, you really went up the long ladder on that explanation. Uh, Thank you so much. Very very nice. Well, let's take a few minutes here and talk about Patrick Stewart before we do a little business with America. Okay. Um. Patrick Stewart in this episode is, he really gives a brilliant look at what we can expect from Picard for the rest of the series. Um, and plus he plays this with such nuance. It's it's really beautiful. In the same episode, he's stunned. He's amazed. He's frightened. He's angry. He's angry at this Picard Very. Um, for making the decision he made. He's angry at himself and it's a decision he hasn't made yet. And then he's utterly resolute. He knows in the moment where, you know, later on that what he must do, you get so many different ranges on Picard in this one episode. You totally understand why Patrick Stewart played this character. Absolutely. And I I also got to give him credit for things that you don't really think about when you're doing all of these scenes with amazing acting with all of the gamut of emotions that you just talked about he's also doing scenes where he's looking down at nothing because it's a split screen so he's not looking at himself obviously and he's still able to do it even if there's another person laying there so that they can have where they need to look instead of maybe just a mark on the bio bed or something like that he's doing it as if he's looking at himself and that's another credit to his craft and why he's so good at what he does and you're absolutely right they this is really i mean there's a couple of of places earlier in season late in season 1 and early in season 2 where you really start to see the the total picard so to speak but this one really brings it up to another notch and and i was thinking of that last night actually while i was watching uh, BBC uh, Redemption was on, and even though some people don't love that episode as much as others, and I think you're not a huge fan of it, like Morehouse, you see Picard, it, it just full Picard right in that episode, and I think that seed was planted early in season two uh, here in this episode. You know, it's amazing. You you talk about how Patrick Stewart is looking at nothing through many points in this episode, and how hard he works. And I got to tell you, I look at nothing every time we podcast. And I see, and when you're on the screen, and this has got to give people some indication of how hard I work just on this show. I deserve an Emmy. 
I deserve an Oscar. You deserve something. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, that was very, very well played. Thank you. I'm going to give you a gold star right on your giant forehead for that one. Yeah, it is. It's gargantuan. (laughs) Um, But we talked about doing a little business with America, and we may as well do that now, Dan, as we talk about our friends at, uh, at Science Division. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Black Friday is coming up fast, and Science Division wants to get you ready for that holiday season. It's hard to believe it's Thanksgiving week already here in the United States. Last week, we told you about Science Division's Wrap of Con promotion, where they have a free gift wrap option you can select to check out. That way, your gift of the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble will go to its recipient beautifully wrapped, and they'll even make sure there aren't any Tribble references on the box. <laughs> but, you know, that's not all. Coming up on Black Friday, Science Division will have some amazing deals coming up, and we've decoded a secret subspace message with some info. Science Division is going to be offering free shipping in the United States, plus a free Too Many Tribbles little golden book, and a pixel art Tribble pin as part of their Black Friday special. Plus, if you order two or more Tribbles, you're going to get an additional 10% off your purchase, which is just awesome. That is just amazing. And you know, whomever you gift the Science Division Tribble to, is is they're going to love it. Remember, they have three modes. At ease, when they're happy and content. On duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds. And Watchdog, where you can be sure that they've seen your face, buddy. Um, now, you don't have to use the app to enjoy your Tribble, but if you do, there's also an attack button, which makes your Tribble scream on demand at friends and family. But since Tribbles are not dangerous, my friends, you have nothing to worry about. I mean, your friends. So, not so much. Though. Yeah. So get on over to sciencediv.com for all the details. And if you want to find out about special exclusive deals from Science Division this holiday season, be sure to subscribe to their email newsletter by going to sciencediv.com and subscribing at the very bottom of the page. Happy holidays from Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. So back to Times Squared. I think the thing that really gets me as that it's like you said we don't we don't understand this phenomenon we don't know what it is it's mm-hmm. never really explained nope other than it, it looks like th- this giant tornado in space and i have to say for season 2 these visual effects are damn stunning I got to say, I love the far away look where you see it and they're kind of like falling into the top of the vortex. That is absolutely gorgeous. When they see the ship and the vortex, even though it looks like it's ahead of them, but it's actually below them, it looks a little CGI, but but it doesn't take away from it. The special effects are great, but that swirling cloud thing um, is 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 really beautiful. And I'm glad you brought that up. I actually used that as the album cover. I loved it so much. Even when you get inside the the vortex, you know, when you're in the shuttle bay and you see, you know, the doors open and you see the vortex in the background behind the shuttlecraft, it is just such a beautiful, beautiful visual that it's hard to take your eyes off of. It is some amazing art. If there's an art of next gen book someday, that should be in there because it's it's beautiful. It really is. Wah, 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 wah. (laughs) Wah, 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 wah. I, I like those doors. (laughs) <laughs> you sounded like a whiny shuttlecraft door. <laughs> a whiny shuttlecraft door, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, too. I was thinking about it when I was watching. When those shuttle bay doors open, wah, 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 um, and you can see the vortex, it's like, wait a minute, it's below them. But 
in the image where they show the Enterprise falling into the vortex, it's kind of tail first. So it kind of makes sense that it looks like that, at least at that point. Oh, it absolutely does. You know, the inertial yeah. dampeners and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, techno babble. <laughs> your face is techno babble. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting that it becomes personal. It's about uh, Picard. Yeah. And this is the aspect of the episode that I think is really weak in the script. Absolutely. Because they needed to explain why it's about Picard. And, and it, I I don't get why it focuses on him. Is it because it knows it leaves? He leaves eventually? Um, I, I don't I don't know. Now, granted, we can't know everything there is to know about exploring space. True. There are plenty of mysteries in Star Trek that go unsolved. But in the context of this episode, it would have been really helpful to gain some kind of understanding. Oh, absolutely. And that's that you're absolutely right. That's one of the weak parts of the story. Is you don't know anything about this. Is it is it a sentient life form? Um, what's it doing? Why why does it disappear and then we never see it again? And you're you're absolutely right. I think at one point the the future Picard says that the entity, as he calls it, recognized Picard as the brain of the Enterprise and wants him. So that's why he's starting to shoot him with uh, with with energy weapons and and stuff like that, and it is it's a very I'll be, I'll be blunt it's a very weak aspect of the story and it, it that I, that may be one of the reasons why it also took me out of it so much back in the day it's still weak now but I just have a better appreciation for other aspects of the episode I think one of the things I, I appreciate in the script though is how they reference things that have come before, which hasn't always happened in Star Trek. We get a Traveler reference. Yes. We get a Mannheim experiment reference. Right. Um, And at that point, when you hear it, it's like, oh, oh, so they're actually not having amnesia this week. And it's one (laughs) of the really nice aspects of the writing. The other thing I really appreciate in the script is the conversation between Riker and Picard in the ready room. Because you just don't get very many of these candid conversations where the ranks are essentially dropped. Mm -hmm. And Riker says to Picard, "Um, you're approaching this all wrong. You got to do it this way because, and I know that goes against your natural tendency, but you're you're doing the wrong thing, man. And I think it is, uh, to me, it's one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Yeah, it's really great. You know, this is something that uh, I think is very important. Um, I've never been in the military, but I know that that um, you can't have yes men around you all the time, and that's something that has we've seen happen recently in in present day. And I'm glad that we've got uh, you know he wanted somebody strong in that position who is going to not just agree with the captain all the time. And here's a perfect example where that certainly happens. And and I think Picard appreciates the fact that Riker is is saying it like he means it. I love Picard's like, so pretty much you're saying I got to shut up and wait. (laughs) (laughs) And Riker's like, well, yeah, (laughs) not in so many words. And of course, it's right after that, that they stop waiting because uh, the timing of that is, is interesting. I would have appreciated that scene had been an act before. Right. Because Picard would have actually had to wait. And that would have driven him crazy. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. Crazy. Um, Instead, it's like. Yeah, dude, you just, you got to sit back and wait. Boom. (laughs) Look, there's a vortex. Oh, how about that? It just shows up. And it just shows up. I guess we don't have to wait anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That writing's a little, little little clunky. Yeah. A little stale. A little stale. I, um, 
I at least appreciate the fact that they get right into it. Um, you know, they don't waste time trying to go through the permutations of of what it is for and two I'm, act. But you know what? I'm glad that they didn't because we already wasted time with the two minutes of looking at one shuttle and then looking at the other shuttle to say, oh my God, they're the exact same thing, except this one has antimatter scoring on the side. <laughs> one Riker, one bridge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know it's not, not this episode, but I can't help but go back to that. That's okay. That's uh, okay. <laughs> I, I love the – well, as the time gap starts to shrink – and the other Picard, future Picard, I guess we should call him, becomes a little more coherent. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it winds up uh, between a conversation between Picard and himself. Yeah, and this is a this is more uh, camera trickery that I think just looks really good. We, we've seen it before, and even in Next Gen with Data Lore, but um, the scenes where Picard interacts with himself, I think, are really well done with the split screen. Um, it's not distracting, which I, I really appreciate. No, it's it's really not. And and I made I, I made an effort to try to see if there were, you know, little nuances on the screen where you could really see that it was a split screen. And they did a great job. And for nineteen eighty nine, gotta give them credit for doing that. I will say one part of those scenes, which I don't really like too much, um, but I understand it, is I understand that this Picard is is six hours in the future and he's gonna be a little a little woozy or whatever um until it syncs up. And and before I go to my point, I I love it when he's on the bio bed and he's got the invisible restraints down and he's kind of like you can see that he's like he's all like herky jerky with his head trying to figure out why he's strapped down but anyway those conversations i felt were we talked about a second ago a little stretched out because the future picard would never give a straight answer and that was a that was a little aggravating and i'm like okay is that because he's still kind of wonky or because he just doesn't want to admit to his other self about what's going on. And I, I, I don't know, that kind of was a little bit aggravating for me. Interesting. I, yeah. I didn't view it as sort of, uh, that's a phrase we're going to use again. now that you've used it, herky jerky, herky jerky. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I must leave the ship. I mean, that's really about it. I must leave the ship. I must get out of here. Oh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's Picard. <laughs> I must get out of here. <laughs> um, and no, I, I guess I can appreciate that aspect. I look at it at, well, you did a great impersonation of Jean-Luc Picard and his herky-jerkiness last week at the end of the show. <laughs> I want to add, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like he's hyperventilating. It does. Um, yeah. But I, I really kind of like when they start talking to one another because the other Picard still isn't completely cognizant of the fact yeah. he's talking to Picard. Yeah. And and Troy makes that point that he doesn't even realize who you are type of thing. And and I I I get it. Uh, convenience maybe. I don't know, but it, it's I, I would like it. I would have really been great if Picard had a real conversation with Picard and you get that strong baritone going back and forth at each other. That would have been very cool. Kind of like the way the two Janeways talk to each other in Deadlock. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think that would have been a really great aspect to this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the Memory Alpha entry for this episode, it talks about reception as they always do. And Ron Moore later described this episode as, quote, so ponderous. They agonize about what to do the whole show. All right, already. Um, and I just, I don't see it that way. I think that it's very, I think it's very methodical in the way they approach the problem. But they have to wait because, you know, you run into that to... Uh, that whole sort of that time thing where, you know, predestination paradox. Well, if we change what we do, is that going to change the outcome? 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I can see where he might think it's ponderous, but it's like, well, what's the alternative? You know, what do they do otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. And it's a good thing that, you know, I, I get where, what he's saying because I, I just said it for part of the show. It is, it's like they're agonizing about what to do until it shows up. And then they seem to pretty much not stop doing what they're doing. Even though Picard is trying to get the information out of future Picard, um, they're still they're still doing things. Um, where at the beginning of the episode, they don't really. One of my favorite unintended moments in this entire episode occurs right after Picard phasers future Picard. So future Picard is getting ready to get in the shuttlecraft, and Picard goes to the weapons locker that apparently is in the shuttle bay. Very convenient. On the wall. Incredibly convenient. In fact, I don't think it's there for any other episode. <laughs> Grabs one of the dust busters from the wall <laughs> and says, Captain Picard, and phasers him. And of course, there's Picard slumped on the on the edge of the shuttle, you know, like, uh. No. And then what does Picard do? He calls for Dr. Pulaski and then leaves. <laughs> and then Pulaski and O'Brien show up to... A dead Captain Picard. Not knowing who's who. Not know- <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you could have at least given him a heads up. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Pulaski reported the shuttle bay. And then all of a sudden, there's the guy who called you dead. <laughs> and then what does Pulaski do? She's like, I'm out of here. I didn't... <laughs> I'm not touching this. <laughs> and 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 teenage looking O'Brien, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, is sitting there going, "Oh, he just disappeared. <laughs> what do I do now?" <laughs> well, he stands there after the doctor leaves and is like, uh, uh. "What do I do now? Am I going to get, you know, assigned a waste extraction if <laughs> if I don't report uh, this? Maybe I better go take the dustbuster shelf off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. How do I cover this up? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, um, but Picard. You talk about, go go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say you want to talk about Pulaski now. Oh yeah, bring it up. Let's go. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta say, you know, a lot of people love Pulaski. I don't hate her as much as I used to, but I, I'm not a fan of the character, and it's no disrespect to to Diane, but I, she's she's got no empathy, and and you need to have bedside manner, and at least in this episode, you need to have bedside manner. Uh, in this episode. And I just, I have a, I think my biggest problem with her in this episode, and I'd love to get your take on it, is last time I checked, Deanna was the ship's counselor and not Catherine Pulaski. I think it's Deanna's job to be doing the psychoanalysis that that Pulaski does on Captain Picard when he leaves sickbay. And it's like, oh, 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 if he keeps us up, I'm going to have to relieve him of command, which is I have authority to do so being chief medical officer. I said, okay, you, why don't you let Deanna make that determination if he's having all of these problems that you claim he could be or is having, and then you can both work together to decide what needs to be done. Now, some may argue, well, McCoy could have done it with Kirk. Yeah, but they didn't have a ship's counselor at that point. She's got a very specific job. And even though Pulaski is chief medical officer, she should let Deanna do her job before making those kind of comments to Deanna. That's my take on it. Well, sure. But as far as we know, in canon, the counselor doesn't have the ability to relieve the captain. Only the chief no. medical officer does. I, I I totally understand that and and appreciate it. But Deanna should be the one to say, I can sense 
great things and talk about that he's got all of these problems that Pulaski was thinking he he's he seems to be showing, but Deanna's the one that can confirm it. And once she's got that confirmation, she is an officer. She won't lie to Pulaski and say no, he's not feeling that. If he's if he is, hmm. I think once that that information is given to the chief medical officer, then she can make that determination and decide. But to be, I, I thought that her whole discussion with G- Deanna was very misplaced and 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 not in line with what her um her job is, and she should let the people that are supposed to do that part of the job do it. Interesting. I I didn't see it from that perspective, but I can appreciate that you did. Yeah. Um. It, that that dialogue didn't bother me really all that much. I actually am a big Catherine Pulaski fan. I was not when TNG first started because they said, "Oh, they're just trying to create a female Bones." And uh, there are aspects of Pulaski that are very Bones-like, but I think there's a lot more texture to Pulaski than I realized back in the '80s. I can appreciate that, and maybe part of the reason why I and I agree with you. I did not like Pulaski back when season two aired, and I will be honest, I have not watched a lot of season two. In the last 30 years. Hmm. And maybe if I do a rewatch of season two from beginning to end, maybe I'll have a better appreciation for Pulaski. I don't know. It Maybe or maybe not. But watching this one certainly didn't help that cause. I'm going to say this, and this is, a, this is a bold statement here on the Trek Geeks podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this and, and not even hesitate. Um, if I had to choose Pulaski over Crusher, I would choose Pulaski every day of the week. In terms of her profession? Or in terms of the character, if you're talking profession, I could probably agree with you a little bit better because she is one of the things that even though I sometimes don't like it and sometimes I'm wishy-washy or herky-jerky on it. See, I did it again. (laughs) um, Is that is that she's very she's a soldier marching down the road and she's going to do her job and she's not going to get involved with crew emotions and she's very this, that, this, that. Where Beverly has the relationship aspect, she's got a son on board. She, you know, Picard and her have a very special friendship. So maybe she's not going to be as as um, steadfast in her in the way that she does her job as chief medical officer. I can agree with that. But character wise, in terms of of her interactions with the crew, I would have to take Beverly over over Catherine Pulaski. I um I think that there are times where Pulaski is clinical. Um, but Pulaski develops a relationship with Worf. She develops a really solid one with Data. She gets the respect of Riker and Picard. Mm. Um, and I think that there are some really great moments throughout season two. The problem is she only got one season with which to do this, and they never really gave her a goodbye. Well, that's true. Um, and I think that that really kind of undercuts the character. As far as a doctor, I think I take Pulaski. As far as a character, I think I take Pulaski because I just I. I just have never been as much as I like Gates McFadden as Gates McFadden and as much as I like Dr. Crusher, I've just never been a huge Beverly Crusher fan. Yeah, it really would have been nice if she did get that big goodbye. Wow. Yeah. How many is that? Like six or seven this That's like yeah, at so least. I wish you put you know, we'll always have Paris, so it's all right. I wish <laughs> I wish you put this much effort into preparing for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I try. So Picard makes the only decision he thinks possible. It's like, look, we've been trying to run from this. Let's just go right through the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, turn around and just gun it. Put it and to the wall, Mr. LaForge, is what I think he says. He does say that. Which is really kind of a weird idiom for him to employ, but okay. Um, but it, And then it's over. 
And then they're in space and there's no explanation. It's like, None. so what did they fly through? What was that big shiny thing at the end of the tunnel? It yeah. wasn't a speeding train apparently, but right. um, <laughs> there's no there's no context given in the wrap up. It's, oh, we're free of this. I guess I wouldn't want to meet myself again. It, it's funny that you say that because we see hints of what's going on. You talked about it before in the shuttlecraft. They use the negative percentage to get the power to come up. They're using warp seven just to hold their position at the top of this vortex. Yeah. Why not shut it down? Or and but I mean, it takes them a long time to get to that point, and Picard's the one that that says, "All right, we're just gonna we're just gonna you know floor it." Um, it's interesting that nobody thought of doing that ahead of time. Now, is that because they saw the visual from the future with the little spinny light thing hit the, the ship and destroy it? I don't know, but I did find it very interesting that it took so long for them to do that and only because the captain thought of doing it. Yeah, that's for me, that's it, it's better than a voyage ending. Writeritis, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where they they solve it in the last thirty yeah. seconds of the episode <laughs> and off screen. <laughs> you know, Picard at least takes a very you know definitive stance and says, "This is what we're going to do." Bam, mm-hmm. let's do it. Um, although, if they just turned off the warp engines and let themselves get pulled into the vortex automatically, would it have done the same thing? Right. That's yeah. That's my question. Would yeah. it, or would have they been going too slow and they needed to go full warp uh, at the center of the tunnel train light thing? And then that, yeah. then did and that nothing. disrupt the vortex? Yeah. Did space tornado go away? See, at least we got at least we got the crystalline entity later on in the series. We never saw this thing again. Yeah. And the other thing that's funny, I just want to throw this out there. I used to always confuse this episode with the Nagilim one all the time. Really? Yeah. I don't know why, but I used to always do that. I really like the Nagilim episode I too. Do, I do too. Yep. Yeah. Was that uh, where silence is lease? I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't talk about it right now. I'm silent. <laughs> That would be a first, and I would welcome it. You want to talk about giving thanks for Thanksgiving? I would be praying to the great bird of the galaxy if that happened. That would be thank amazing. You, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, does this episode have flaws? It absolutely does. Do I love it anyway? Hell yes. I've watched it three times in the last few days alone. Yeah, I um, I have a much better appreciation for it. I I like it. Um, like we've talked about, there are issues with it, as with any early episode and sometimes late episodes of Star Trek. Um, but it's definitely one that I have come around to. Um, and I I'd watch it again if it was on BBC or something like that. I wouldn't stop surfing. We're gonna have to revisit season two and your votes on season two after you rewatch it to see what the change was. That's a good idea. Because I think this would be an interesting experiment. How do our perceptions of these things change over time? Because some of those perceptions in Theater Skip It are based on what we've seen before. Yeah. And others of them are after we've rewatched something on purpose. Yep. So this could be a Theater Skip It supplemental. <laughs> a ski it or sip, ski it? <laughs> ski it. A see it or skip it redux, if Hasn't you will. Hasn't even snowed yet. Uh, let's just hope it doesn't. <laughs> God, no. No more snow. It's holographic snow, and then we can throw it out of the hol- holodeck, and it would still be there. But anyway. And then we'd all be drunk, and it feels good. <laughs> it's too soon for this. I was just going to say, Commander Riker, it's too soon for this. <laughs> oh so God. this this coming weekend, um, uh, Aaron Harvey is doing the Trexgiving holodeck yes. hangout, and I'm yes. thinking about wearing my Wesley Crusher sweater. <laughs> because it's it's the holidays. I mean, you that's always true. show up to Thanksgiving in a sweater, right? Right. I like it. I think that's what I'm going to do. And when I, when I get on, I'm going to be like, uh, Aaron, it's too soon for this. 
<laughs> but uh, details on our on our social media or at uh, trekalliance.org. You want to be sure to uh, to check that out because it's going to be a great conversation with uh, with about ten different Star Trek podcasters. That's fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. If you're around, you should drop by. I might do that. You never know. I might surprise everybody and be like, hey. Yeah, it's uh, noon to three Pacific, I believe. Mm. Uh, but yeah, go to trekalliance.org, get all the info. It'll be streaming on uh, on all kinds of social media, including the Trek Geek social media. So Fantastic. Yeah. Of course, uh, Dan, what else is fantastic is our friends, the band Five Year Mission. Fantastic. With, oh, amazingly fantastic. Mm. So many great songs on all of their fantastic albums. We love them all. Year one, year two, year three, year four. Spock's Brain, Trouble with Tribbles. Um it's it's music that makes us happy. It it's used throughout the Trek Geeks podcast network, and sincere thanks to the band for allowing that to be so. But uh, we want everyone to go on out to fiveyearmission.net, buy all their CDs, get them shipped to your house. You can use them as stocking stuffers for mm. your friends and family. But these are original songs which really help you look at Star Trek episodes in a completely new way. It's not parody. It's not fun stuff. These are actual songs that are are inspired by the episodes. And it's just great, great music. So fiveyearmission.net, become big fans like Dan and I are ourselves. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You you took the words right out of my mouth, so I really don't have anything else to say. Thank God. I'm just kidding. Yes, I do. Actually, Bill, it's very important. And as I said earlier, or later, if you're listening to the outtake, I didn't actually put the Farkism of this week in notes because I didn't want you to see it. You did not. That's true. I didn't. So Star Trek Four. Everybody loves Star Trek Four, pretty much, right? The one with the whales. The one with the whales. Yeah, absolutely. It's a classic. You know, the alien probe shows up at Earth and starts causing devastation as it tries to make contact with something. Kirk and his crew are on their way back to Earth when they get the distress signal from the Federation pl- president. They're able to figure out that the probe is looking for songs from five-year mission, but the songs have been gone for hundreds of years, Bill. That You know, they can only do one thing. They need to go back in time, get the band, and bring them back to the 23rd century. But so many things could go wrong. But one of the worst would be to forget where they put their cloaked Klingon vessel. Luckily, though, Kirk told everyone a very important message as they headed out to save the future. Oh, my God. Everyone remember where we farked. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I haven't had Thanksgiving dinner yet, and already I can taste it coming back up. That was... Uh, I can see why you didn't tell me about I, that one ahead of time, because it that's that exa- is that's the worst one you've ever done. That's exactly why I didn't put it out there. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That, mm. and yeah. That's when I'm going to be embarrassed to put on a Farkism supercut. No, come on now. They're all like that. Now, no, they're, no. <laughs> no, they're not. See, the thing is, is I had several ideas that came into my head as I was thinking about it. And that's went, the one that won? No, I went. I had several and that I'm like, oh, these are going to be great. And then I went through my spreadsheet and I'd used them all already because they're so awesome. So I had to come up with something and that's what I was able to come up with. So just, you know, if you're going to be in Golden Gate Park, just remember that you farked in one specific place and not another one so that you can find your cloak vessel when you save the band and bring them back to the 23rd century to save the entire planet. Just saying. Yeah. That's fiveyearmission.net, please. Um, go buy all their CDs. Guarantee you're going to love it. Don't forget, you can also support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks, Dan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we just sent out 
only a couple of weeks ago, this year's rewards to our Patreon subscribers, and, and, and they're loving them. We're seeing the pictures on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, uh, the annual supporters pin made by our friends over at Fansets and our annual T-shirt, which looks fantastic. I just wore it yesterday. Very comfy also. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Blake Strike, Tim Sardar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> you really elevated that one this week. Uh, thank we you. also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You also can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, we're going to continue our year-long celebration of Voyager 25 as we look to find an animal guide to help us on our journey. Oh, that's so, that just sounds so nice. Uh, it seems only fitting that Captain Janeway's number one has his own dedicated episode of Trek Geeks, Bill. Uh, so next week, you and I will discuss the best Chakotay episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, the name of the episode can only be Akuche Moya. Next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. For even more great Star Trek discussion, please... Please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Rewind and Polytrex and Five Year Mission and the news from treknews.net, you can also hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thrillo and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting, wait for it, trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, no one talks Trek like we do. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek too, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 240 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Live long and prosper. Gobble, gobble. Coconut. Really? Thanks, train's not. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
Bill, we got to get the hell out of here. Hurry up, get your stuff and get to the chopper. <laughs> I would love to get out of here. Don't go outside and go in the cold and get your freeze yourself off. <laughs> I, I almost understood that. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what happens every movie of his. No, it's pretty much what happens every podcast episode. <laughs> well, that's true too. Because just know, when you're speaking normally, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> normally, normal is very relative term. I gotta say, how you doing? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I'm on vacation this week. Yeah, me too. Uh, my back's been hurting a little bit, but I saw the chiropractor this morning. I'm seeing him this afternoon, actually. Oh, I was gonna move it to this morning, but we decided to record, so I'll go see him at four o'clock today and. And uh, that's that. Oh, I was there at 7.30 this morning. Well, that's early. I'm on vacation, but my wife is not. Oh. See, this is, we've been married 17 years. We've been together for 18 and a half. This is the first vacation we have ever taken where we have not gone somewhere. So your wife is ready to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a, I think this pandemic has been a great preview of what retirement's going to be like for a lot of us. <laughs> and the fact that you and I are still breathing just emphasizes how truly lucky we are. Yes. Oh, <laughs> because um, uh, in, uh, under any other circumstances, I'm sure we would be the subjects of a Dateline NBC story. Oh, Oh wow! Okay. I, 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 that's scary because yeah, it could happen anytime. <laughs> yeah. It's, although we we do like to do you know we, yesterday we or what's, what's today Wednesday Monday I think, yeah. we took the dogs put them in the car and went and drove for two hours just to just to drive around. And so you know I, I did mean, that I'm, on Saturday. <clears throat> I'm quote quarantining still because I just got back from Florida, but it's just us in the car, so um, that's okay. I don't know it's not like we're I'm going outside and breathing on people like some moron did down in Florida. Or in Purpose, Massachusetts, pur- where he purposely. spit on him. Oh, that's great, too. People are so wonderful. That guy was arrested and charged with uh, assault and battery and yep. uh, threatening assault with a biological agent. Guy in Florida was as well. Even though he lied about it. Um, he said he had COVID when he did it. because All because he was out in the woods on the mountain, and uh, two girls were more than six feet away from him and didn't have a mask on. Unreal. Now, I'm not going to make any judgments about what those girls were doing, but they're in the woods. Hmm. Um, he didn't have to run up to them and spit on them. Nope, not at all. No, nope. did he have a scraggly beard? And was he writing like um, uh, what are those things? What are those things called? The manifesto. Manifestos. Yeah. No, he did not look like Dan Davidson. <laughs> That's funny. No, it's not funny. <laughs> speaking of speaking of funny, under your breath, I can hear you going, "You mother effer." <laughs> speaking of funny, you may notice in the notes this week. I did not put the Farkism in there so you could see it ahead of time. And I did not send it to you either. <laughs> I haven't scrolled down that far, but you're correct. Yes, I have it right here. Secret. You're going to hate it. Do you recall which episode you started doing Farkisms? I don't recall, but if I look at my spreadsheet, because I actually keep a spreadsheet of my Farkisms, and I don't know if I started the spreadsheet when I first started doing them, but let me let me pull it up right now. We'll talk. There's a lot of them. You're going to be very busy over the next few weeks if you're really going to be putting together Farkism episode. Because Oh, I, I really am. Oh, there's a lot. There's um, tons. Yeah, you probably should uh, start modifying your database to include episode numbers. Oh, that's a probably good idea. What I've been yeah. doing is putting the date. Um, but yeah, episode number is probably a good idea. So there's 45 pages of my spreadsheet that I've got. <laughs> oh, According to this, the fir- I'm going to do the first one. I'll do it right now here in the outtake. On June 7th, 2016, a bunch of musicians all cramped and milling around. The Fark of Gideon. 
So, well, no, but actually that helps because I can look at what episode was released around June 7th, you said, yeah. or June 16th? June 7th. June yep. 7th and figure out what episode it was because that was you know, only a few months into Trek Geeks. It's amazing how much they have evolved and gotten longer over time. That was one sentence. The next two are only one sentence. Uh, it is the will of Patrick. Peace and joy to you, friend. The return of the Farcons. That was on June twenty first, oh two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah, there's a, oh god, it's just I could go on and on, but we'll save that for the holiday spectacular. Yeah, the <laughs> Farcism supercut coming at the end of the year. And I did the album cover yesterday. <laughs> and it's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> oh my! Is anything with Fark's face on it beautiful? I will say Fark is beautiful because wow. I want him to let me continue doing Farkisms. Yeah. So that's why. Wait, you want him to continue to let you doing them? That has never stopped you previously. Well, he's already thrown lawsuits at me once before for, I don't even remember because- it was Unauthorized like, performance so, of five-year mission music. So, so frivolous, but that's okay. <laughs> frivolous? Yeah. You started singing their stuff without permission. Yeah, I, it, was as, it was as a parody, which is allowed under copyright law. Um, yeah. only, but you still have to obtain permission from the original artist. Permission this, turkey neck. You're calling Fark turkey neck? No, I don't think that's you, appropriate. You just, I'm calling you turkey neck. Let me no, tell no, you a no, story no. about turkey neck. They're the original artist. You're oh, calling have, him turkey neck. I have the most respect uh, and admiration for both, for not only Fark, but for the entire band. You um, might, you should, because they're on our network with a podcast. Exactly, they are. <laughs> and they're listening to this right now, and they're rolling their eyes and throwing um, spoiled grapefruit at the radio. Let's be honest. Fark is listening. <laughs> I don't know if Mike and everybody else has figured out podcasts yet. Rittenhouse is like... Uh, the, the what? What? <laughs> I, I've heard Trek Geeks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love so, you, Mike. So it's Thanksgiving week as we're recording. And um, turkey neck, let me give you that phrase. Uh, I just said that phrase, blah, 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 turkey neck. Whenever we're talking, whenever the family is together, which hasn't been in a while, but whenever we're together, dad is usually the butt of a lot of jokes. <laughs> Because it's just so easy. Um, but anyway, I know the feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anyway, when he's when we sit, when we're talking to him and joking around, and we make a comment like, let's say, um, I throw your face at him, which he wouldn't get, but when you get it, he'd look at you and go, "Your face, turkey neck, turkey neck." That's like the ultimate insult for him, and it's just like so pitiful. But it's funny at the same time because now it's kind of like a legendary thing. I see that apple has not fallen far from the tree. Not, no. Are you kidding? I caught the apple and ate it. Wow. <laughs> you, you just sounded like the mobster in Weekend at Bernie's, which I watched on the flight home when uh, the guy says, ah, forget about the guy, two guys. Get rid of Lomax because he's sleeping with my girlfriend. And the guy who kills him goes, pew. <laughs> you just sounded like that. That's really random. <laughs> that movie still holds up. It's so it's so dated, but it's still good. No, no. I think I have to take issue with the fact that you've just said Weekend at Bernie's totally holds up. It's so funny. Because they spend the whole movie totally holding him up. Oh. <laughs> that was good. That it's good. it's not a great movie. It's not a great movie, but you gotta give it the you gotta give props to the guy who plays Bernie because he's so good at just that face the whole the whole time. Oh God, it's good. He was and in the, uh, Three's Company too. Oh, uh, he's he was in a bunch of stuff in the seventies. Six Million yeah. Dollar Man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a a Charlie's Angels or a Starsky and Hutch in there. Yep. Uh, now I'm not I'm not looking at IMDb. Okay. I want to say his name is Terry Lester. Okay. Well, you're hold on. Type, I'll tell you. You'll type that up while I'm talking about it. But no, it just held up. I'm I'm like I got I want to watch something that I haven't watched in a while. So I I watched that. 
Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. A- and uh, Terry Kaiser. I'm sorry. Terry I was Kaiser. So close. Okay. Well, you get the first name right. Who the hell's Terry Lester? I don't know. I, he's just some guy. Who's he, oh, he was on the Young and the Restless. He played Jack Abbott. Sorry. About oh, that. right. What the hell? I didn't even see Young and the Restless. My mom was a big Young and the Restless person. I was a General Hospital guy back in the day. Well, yeah, Jeannie. Jeannie Francis. <laughs> Jeannie Francis. Yeah, I could sing the Christopher Cross song, but then we get in trouble. <laughs> Which Christopher Cross song did they? He sang. He's. It's called Laura. He did it. It was a. Oh, song. I know when the song. She, when she came back from the quote dead, um, when she was kidnapped by the Cassidines. Dun dun dun. Yeah. So Baltar was the main Cassidine back in the day. Can, John Colicos. Yeah, it was awesome having him on General Hospital. <laughs> wow. As a princess. Yeah. Soap Talk, coming to you from the Trek Geeks Podcast Network <laughs> in 2095. Wow. Whoa. Okay. I think it might be somebody else. You and I are going to need to start cloning ourselves in order to make this happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Either that or we'll- Of course, every clone of yours would be like the fifth clone in multiplicity. I like pizza, Steve. <laughs> Put my pants on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be you. I'd be like the sixth Wayoon. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be that smart. <laughs> Isn't he the one that defected? Oh, we see five. I think it was five. I would honestly, I would have to look. Yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't be- matter. They're all awesome because all the Wayuns, oh, all the Wayuns, just Wayuns is my hero. I would, I would lo- have loved a show where there was nothing but Wayuns. Yes, that would be all oh, the Wayuns show. Star Trek Wayun, <laughs> STW. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I, so you I know what? No, no, no politics. But I do want to say I was very, um, I was torn on whether or not I liked the fact that the um, the software for the for the electronic voting was called Dominion. What software for the? I haven't heard about that. Oh, one of the stupid, ridiculous lawsuits was that the software that was being used was manipulating votes. Blah blah blah. And the name of the software is Dominion. Because here in New Hampshire, we still vote on paper ballots. Exactly. And we do it the right way. It's kind of hard to <laughs> mess with those. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. The Dominion. And of course, before we get an email, yes, I know you can still mess with them, but it's certainly far more difficult. Yes, it is. Anyway. Yeah. So um, anyway. <laughs> um, hmm? you doing anything special for Thanksgiving tomorrow, which is Thursday in the rest of the world? Nope. <laughs> we may get to uh, my um, my nephew Matt is home from London visiting. We surprised my uh, sister and brother in law because they did not know he was coming home so early. And he self quarantined for like a month and a half before he came over. He had two masks on and a face shield on the plane. Um, he does it the right way. He got his COVID test with me um, this past Monday. Um, so the plan is just the four of us are going to probably get together and just have duck poppers. I'm going to make duck poppers because I love them. Cool. Everybody, everybody loves them. And we're just going to chill. We're not going to really do anything. I did order an apple crisp cheesecake from Buckley's Pastries, though. That's so yummy. Yeah, I can't wait to have that. It looked fantastic in the case there. We, um, we're getting Thanksgiving dinner from the Copper Door. We pre-ordered it. We're picking it up today. Mm -hmm. And we got a pumpkin cake from a very small bakery here in our town called Sarno Sweets. Oh, you tell me about that. Um, it's, it's, it's in the same little brick plaza as the DW Diner on Daniel Webster Highway. Yep. Okay. uh, Right across from the Rite Aid. In fact, you can see the Rite Aid from their front door. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, just small business, you know, family owned and operated, uh, just, they, they do a really, really nice job. We also got a couple of cocoa bombs. Now, they are these oversized, what look like, they're almost like chocolate truffles that you drop into a cup full of hot milk. Oh, cool. That's the bomb. 
Oh, that's exactly what it is. And they turn <laughs> into the most rich and decadent cup of hot cocoa you've had in your life. That sounds pretty good. It is awesome. Yeah. So that's uh, that's going to be my night tomorrow night. All right. Cool. We're yeah. not at the annual Christmas tree lighting in downtown Lawrenceville, Georgia. Nope. Um, but what can you do? Next year we will be. That's exactly right. Stay positive, my friend. That's it. And drink a Dos Equis or whatever it was. Co- Corona? Dos I don't even remember what he does. Shut up. <laughs> you don't even drink beer anymore. I don't. I don't know. In fact, you never were a big beer I'm not person. a big, I've never been a beer, big, I've never been a big beer drinker. I am yeah. still crushing on screwball peanut butter whiskey. I know. I saw the picture yesterday. Um, I wish I had um, developed the affinity for clears um, well before my 50s. Yeah. Because I would have spent so much less time drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favor, because we were talking about it yesterday, and, and I'll be able to remind my wife, please share with us the recipe for your, was it the Nutter Butter? The Nutter Butter, yeah. Yes. So believe it or not, I got it from the New Hampshire State Liquor Store Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, well, they, they told you the ingredients, and we kind of guessed at the ratios. So uh, I take a rocks glass, I put some ice in it, and uh, it's one part screwball peanut butter whiskey to one and a half parts frangelico. And okay. then you stir. All right. And that's all you do. And it's a fluffernutter sandwich. No, that's the nutter butter. Oh, that's the nut butter. nutter. Oh. Is different. Oh, I want to. Same setup, rocks glass, ice, one part screwball peanut butter whiskey, one and a uh, one and a quarter, one somewhere between one and one and a half parts rum chata. Okay. That's right. the fluffernutter. I love fluffernutters. I want one right now, actually. Um it, it's not bad. I like the Nutter Butter better because it doesn't taste enough like a fluffer nutter. All right. Nutter Butter better? Yeah. Mm. Nutter Butter better. Yep. Break me I'm amazed you could nutter. say that one time slow, let alone 10 times fast. Nutter Butter Butter? Nope. See, you screwed it up. <laughs> nutter Butter better? Nutter Butter better? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right, Jerk, you, uh, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, listeners, uh, supporters, friends, Trekkies. And if you're outside the United States, happy Thursday. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your day. Coconut